Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 420 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Sunday, May 1st, 2022. Welcome to May, ladies and gentlemen. Duke has a couple of new additions that will help shape next year's team and beyond, and we will discuss those additions. First, I'm Donald Wine, your host for this episode. I got my two friends with me, Jason Evans and Sam Klein. Jason, first off, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, man. Happy May. Happy May. It's, it's already May. That, that's kind of scary as well. Uh, but Sam, you're up in Boston. How are you doing this morning? Well, I tested positive for COVID on Friday. And uh, I'd say I feel like crap. Uh, I've been at home uh, coughing and sneezing. I have been able to taste food. So that's good. I have not, I have not lost taste yet. But uh, I generally feel like crap. So uh, if, you have, if you have at-home COVID remedies that you think have worked for you recently... Uh, please send them my way because uh, it it really it really sucks. When when I got COVID back in January, my biggest fear was definitely, uh, am I going to lose taste and smell? And I didn't, so I'm I'm happy to. Say, I, I don't think that comes along very often with Omicron. I'm sure you got Omicron because that's what everyone has. Well, now. I have. I probably have the 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 new Omicron. There's like right, Omicron BA one yeah. five whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're sorry to hear you have COVID, but I mean, I will say you were talking about how your voice sounded uh, worse for wear, but it doesn't sound like that. You sound if like you say so. Uh, pretty, I you sound like eighty-five percent Sam. Um, yeah, you, you sound great, man. The yeah. worst, the worst part is that my my throat is so sore, and you get this, I think, like anytime you get a cold, at least anytime I get a cold, and my throat is so sore, and I'm also a a relatively violent sneezer, so every time I sneeze, it like really hurts my throat. Um, I don't know if any yeah. of you are also violent sneezers. I you know, some I know what you just, mean. I'm a violent. Some people sneezer. are just violent yeah. sneezers and some people aren't. And it's just I don't know what the what the you know physiology of that is. But anyway, well, I'll get through this episode. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I was I will start with this. There's a programming note. So you listeners may have remembered that on the last show that we had made plans to do a podcast featuring a draft of Duke's one and done players. Rest assured that it's still coming. We will release that episode early this week, so look out for that then. But as I mentioned uh, before, we have two additions to the Duke family that we need to discuss on the show. And the first one, and I want to start with this one because I think, one, it came first, and two, I think it will shape the team, as I mentioned, beyond this year, and that is the addition on the coaching staff. On Friday, it was made official that Jai Lucas – who is an assistant coach at Kentucky for the last two seasons. Don, hey, Donald, Donald, I'm going yes. to jump in. I'm going to jump in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually just Jay. It's not Jai. I, oh, I had, excuse me. I had, Jay Lucas. Yeah, yeah. I, had, it's kind of, I, I had someone ask me, they were like, oh, is it, is it Jai? Is it high, like high lie? And I was like, huh, that's interesting. So I, I looked it up, and he used to be an assistant coach at Texas for many, many years. And on the Texas website, it says – pronunciation j-a-y j so it's j so here's the funny thing about that he played at texas as as you probably right. know and when he played at texas he was jai that was how they pronounced yeah his name i'm wait hang on i'm Center. floored by this i we, we haven't even gotten yeah. to the details of the fact that he's coming to duke i remember him from college and i'm sure that he went by jai lucas i, I would have thought the same thing i live I, I but i'm telling you on the texas website if you Google his name and and the and pronunciation on the Texas website, it says J A Y, which is pronounced J, which is fair because back when he was at Texas as a player, that was before they had pronunciations on 
uh, but like, on the websites. Yes, stuff. okay. They, they didn't they have always pronunciations said, on the they website. Always said Jai. But they always but the, at the Irwin Center. Right, but the 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 announcers before the games, at least the ones that are of any like reputable value, would check with the teams that they had all the names right. And this was not he was not like a bench player. He was like a he was like a, a big time player. He like played at Florida. He transferred after a national championship season. Then he went to Texas. He was like a real mm-hmm. player at Texas. He was a he was a top recruit. Like we we should know how to say his name. Yes. So I apologize. It is Jay Lucas. If he man wants to go be go by Jay, we'll call him Jay. Uh, it's funny that he goes by Jay because he is the son of John Lucas II, who had a 14 year career in the NBA. Also was a coach for almost 20 years. Head coaching since with the Spurs, 76ers, and Cavs. And also, fun fact, John Lucas II is from Durham. He attended Hillside High School before he went to Maryland for college. So there is a link between the Lucas family and Durham. Jay's brother, John Lucas III, also played in the NBA. But Jay... And and, and wait, John, really quick on John Lucas. And and this, uh, when we talk about him, I want to talk about the son. I want to talk about the one who is coming to be an assistant coach at Duke. But his dad is one of the great two-sport athletes of all time because he was yep. a great NBA player. He was a really great tennis player. A lot of people think that if he had not been making money in the NBA, he would have been making a lot of money playing tennis in the in the pro leagues. And he played professional tennis, like world team. It was a weird world team tennis. The world team tennis. Yeah. Um, it, we had the Washington Castle Sears, Sam, if you, you remember that team that used to be around. But um, in any event, his his father is one of the great, athletes i think in professional sports history and and that's not me being hyperbole i mean there are a lot of people who agree with that and and yeah his dad's his dad's career as a coach is legendary as well absolutely and that's where probably most people uh who are over or under the age of 40 know john lucas the second but again his son jay lucas will be going to do it's the first hire of a of a coach by duke that came from outside the program since 1995, which is a long time. So it's an amazing game. John yeah, hold it. This is my trivia question. 1995, who is the coach? Who is the last non-Duke player, you know, non-Duke associated person to be an assistant coach? Sam has his hand up. I'm Sam. raising my hand. Is it Mike Bray? It is not Mike Bray. Mike Bray was before Pete this Gaudet. guy. Oh, this is yeah, Pete Gaudet. Pete it's Gaudet. not Pete Gaudet. It's Tim O'Toole. Oh, oh Tim wow. O'Toole, that's right. Yes. Yeah. How about it that? Was the hire. Yeah. It's been I a little bit. I had to sorry. look it Pete up. Gaudet was already was already on the staff in 1995. Yeah. For, Same we, with Mike Craig. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yes. Tim O'Toole. Okay. I, had, I had to look it up. Tim O'Toole is the last Duke assistant coach who wasn't a former Duke player. Okay. So let me finish this intro, then I'll give it to you, Jason. But um, <laughs> what this does is this rounds out the countable coaching staff. That's the three assistant coaches for John Shire. And when you look at this group, it is young. When the season opens this November, John Shire himself will be 35. Jay Lucas will be 33. Emil Jefferson will be 29. And Chris Carrawell will be the elder statesman at 44. So, uh, and he's not, I mean, he'll just turn 45 right as the season starts. That is not old either. So, Sam, uh, actually, Jason, let me go to you first. Give me your thoughts on Jay Lucas coming to Durham to join the coaching staff here at Duke. Uh, Jay Lucas is an absolutely elite I mean, elite recruiter uh, in 2021, 247, which is the, the sort of the premier recruiting service out there, ranked the top recruiters in the country among all assistant coaches. They said that the absolute best recruiter in the country was John Shire. And I don't think anyone disputes that. The number two recruiter in the country was Jay Lucas. Uh, and in two seasons, he was only two seasons at Kentucky. He'd been at 
He'd been at uh, Texas for a long time, for 10 years. And he was two seasons at Kentucky. In those two seasons at Kentucky, he brought in five-star Ty Ty Washington, Shaden Sharp, who's headed directly to the NBA draft, Damian Collins, Carson Wallace, all these guys, five-star recruits, like top 10, top 15 recruits. He was the lead recruiter in getting Severe Wheeler to come in the transfer portal. Um, and th- this is a guy, when he was at Texas, when he was coaching, you know, he was an assistant coach for Shaka Smart. He, he recruited Jarrett Allen, Greg Brown, Mo Bamba. I mean, when, when, when John Calipari hired Jay Lucas, he said, I want Jay to be recruiting 10 hours a day. Uh, and, and that's what, that's what this guy did. He, he was absolutely huge in, in recruiting at Kentucky and Kentucky is, and, uh, you know, brings in elite players every single year. And in fact, there's a little bit of talk that one of the reasons he, uh, Jay reached out to Duke apparently when, when Nolan, when it was announced that Nolan Smith was leaving, it wasn't that Duke reached out to Jay. Jay reached out to Duke first. At least that's the word that's out there. And one of the reasons he reached out was that he wanted to go someplace where he would be more involved in, in the planning, uh, you know, the game planning, the scouting, teaching the players, because apparently at Kentucky, he was given nothing but recruiting responsibilities. And he, he bristled at that a little bit. Apparently Calipari, you know, wanted him just to sit in AAU gyms, you know, for 10, 12 hours a day. And, and Jay wanted to do more than that. And, and, and apparently, you know, the word that Jay got from John Shire is that the assistants have more responsibility and more freedom at Duke. And so that's why he, he came, he came to, to, to come to this program. Uh, and and I, it's a huge hire. The dude, ha- you know, we've already discussed, he has coaching in his blood. He knows the game because he's played it at, a, at the absolute elite level at, at multiple universities. He has coached underneath. He's been a part of a bunch of different guys who are really tough, but Rick, he was on Rick Barnes staff. He was on Shaka Smart staff. He's on John Calipari staff. He's going to bring all the knowledge he accumulated in those places to John Shire staff. And, and, and I'll let you guys talk for a little bit, but, but eventually I want to get back to the fact that the Kentucky fans are losing their minds over this. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't have to talk about that. That's what I'm (laughs) going to, I'm going to kick the sandwich, but here's the thing, Sam, I want to read this. I, because Kentucky, just big blue nation, whatever they want to call themselves. They are mad online about this and none other. Cause I want to read this tweet. Uh, the tweet that John Calipari had about basically announcing that Jay Lucas was leaving to go to do it was so passive aggressive. It was awful. I want to read this to everybody. Okay. So here's what he wrote. It was, it was in the caption. Um, you could go find it online, but it says this yesterday. Jay informed me that he was taking a promotion at another school. I asked where, and he told me Duke, he expected me to be mad. I support what he thinks is best for his family. He's been loyal, terrific on the road, and great for our players, and I want what's best for him, so I'm good with it. I'm not surprised that there was interest in Jay because there's always interest in our staff. This year, all of our assistants have been approached about other opportunities. When you have a great staff, that's what happens. So for a man who claims to not be mad, this reads like this. Everyone is leaving me, and I'm mad online about it. And I will tell you this, and Sam, I will kick to you. The, the fact that he lost pain to his arch rival school, who was his number one recruiter and his number two recruiter, he just lost to Duke because Duke's big recruiter went to his arch rival in Louisville. Tell me if you're a Kentucky fan, how should you feel about that? I mean, you have to feel terrible about this, especially on the heels of this whole Shaden Sharp 
nonsense with him not playing. He's going to the NBA. He might not go to the NBA. Uh, just the the whole rigmarole. He, like he's a hundred percent going to the NBA. Yeah, there's he, there's he a lot of the, uh, he might be the number one pick. I mean, he's going to the NBA. There, and there, he totally used Kentucky. It's great. I love there's it. there's all kinds. There are all, all kinds of weirdness about that. I would like if I was. I, I would hate to be a Kentucky fan, but if I was a Kentucky fan, um, all of this would feel terrible. And by the way, um, just a few weeks after we had a Final Four featuring like four blue bloods that <laughs> did not include Kentucky. Um, yeah, every, every lost in the first that, round. Yeah, exactly. Every every part of that has got to just feel terrible. Can I pivot back and talk about Duke because I feel like for a higher yes, like this. Um, we, we need to talk about the, the impact this has. And I have mentioned, I think a few times that one of the things I was concerned about with the elevation of John Shire to head coach is that he wouldn't fully sort of take the reins and, and be his own head coach. He would just be, you know, coach K in proxy. And, and we heard the story about how coach K is still going to have an office in the, in the Schwartz butters building. He's still going to be on campus. He's still going to be doing, you know, things around the school, which is great. I think that it's it's important for Duke to, you know, use Coach K as a as an ambassador for the school for all kinds of great reasons. But I worried, especially with Shire being relatively young, that he would not he he would not be able to to rebuild the program in his own image. And and he's he's gotten a lot of um, he's gotten a lot of great recruits. There's obviously guys coming in next year that committed a while ago, knowing John Shire is going to be my coach. Coach K is not going to be the coach there anymore. It's John Shire's program. Great. Nolan Smith leaves. Um, Duke now has to kind of rebuild or, or, or fill the hole of somebody who has taken up, if not a lot of the like coaching and, and recruiting lift the last few years, a guy who is maybe the um, sort of the, the, the center of like the pulse of the Duke basketball universe, probably the most beloved, like universally beloved person in the Duke program. I, I don't know if I'm stepping out too much in saying that. And the first, and so, so Shire brings in Mike Schragi and we could say, that's great. He brought in a guy from outside, but ultimately a guy who has a lot of Duke ties and is sort of already part of the, part of the, 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 the vibe here. He brings in two transfers so far. Uh, we haven't talked about Ryan Young yet, but two transfers who like played for Duke guys at other schools. Like there's a lot of, of sort of Duke family around a lot of the people that John Shire has brought in. They but all bringing... got the same DNA. They all got the yeah, exactly, same DNA. exactly. Yeah. Like even if it's even if it's kind of a stretch, right? Like I don't know how how like Theo John played for Steve Wojciechowski. I don't know if that means he was like a Duke guy before he showed up, but I imagine that Wojo references Duke from time to time as you know when he was a head coach. Jay Lucas, other than as you mentioned, Donald, other than his dad growing up in Durham, which was like a million years ago doesn't have connections to the Duke program. Maybe he was like lightly recruited by Duke when he was in high school, but Duke was not like on his list of finalists. As I said, he went to Florida. He went to Texas. He's coached at Kentucky. He coached at, at Texas. He doesn't really have Duke ties. What he does have is a lot of credibility. As we mentioned, as a recruiter, he has a lot of credibility being from an NBA family. His, his brother and his dad both also played in the NBA. His dad, of course, uh, is like, as we said, like a very well-respected basketball guy. He is a basketball person. In a way, if you sort of step back and think about who could Duke replace Nolan Smith with on the bench that brings as much sort of general basketball credibility, I don't know how much better John Shire could have done than Jay Lucas. He, we, we, know, he's a, we know he's a big-time recruiter. We know he knows all these people. Um, 
he he's not that Duke needs credibility in their basketball program, but this is the kind of credibility that John Shire could just go pluck out of out of the universe of college basketball coaches who would love to coach for Duke and who probably for years, Jay Lucas, if he was coaching six years ago and Jeff Capel, I don't remember how many years Jeff Capel has been at Pitt, but like when Jay, when Jeff Capel left for Pitt, there was no like, Oh, Duke's going to have to go find an assistant from outside. It was like, Duke's just going to promote the next special assistant on the bench. And, and John Shire has firmly stated here, He's not necessarily doing that. He's brought in a guy who doesn't have connections to the program. And I think this speaks volumes about how willing John Shire is to mix up the system here, to put his own stamp on the program. And I am thrilled with with this hire. And by the way, while Jason was talking earlier, I pulled up a couple recent videos. It is Jay Lucas. So I'm going to I'm going to agree with you here. Uh, it, it was definitely this. And this is not like a. What's the, um, is this like a, what's the oh, Mandela effect? Like, yeah, we, yeah, we're, no, where everybody effect. thinks, yeah, yeah. where everybody thinks something is one thing, but it was actually something else. And like, we were all sort of like the Berenstein Bears syndrome. It definitely um, was Jai Lucas when he was, it was definitely Jai Lucas when he was in college. Definitely Jai Lucas. So, like 1000%. So, so, all of that to say, I am thrilled with this hire. I think it's the biggest news. It's probably the biggest news of the offseason for Duke in terms of, like unexpected guys who are coming into the program. And uh, I hope that this means great, great things for Shire's ability, not only to, to recruit talent, be they players or coaches, but his willingness to adapt and, and not just be an extension of, of the coach K era. And we will talk, I am sure when we get to Ryan young after the break about how different John Shire's game planning may be than coach K's. And, and perhaps he's signaling that, that he is willing to try new stuff. So, Sam, I think a lot of what you said is spot on, especially the part uh, about, you know, the Duke ties and him kind of bringing that in. And, and you mentioned that Jay Lucas is not a guy who was just a player development guy that he just hired on. He'd already done that, though, uh, by bringing on a meal onto the coaching staff. So he had an opportunity to do that. Also, he had an opportunity when Nolan left to step outside of the brotherhood and bring in someone new for what we will call a fresh perspective. I mean, I think every program from time to time needs that refreshing of someone coming in and saying, Hey, this is, you know, this is what's going on out here. And the great thing, again, I reemphasize the great thing about this is that all of these coaches are super young. They can relate to these high school players a lot more than play than coaches that are in their you know fifties or sixties. And I think that is what they're, they're setting that up to be a huge recruit advantage for a team who so far doesn't really need it. You know, having the number one class in 2022 and in 2023 before this coaching staff even steps out on the court for a full practice together, I think is incredible. Jason, I want to go back to you because you were talking about how Kentucky fans are mad online. And I, I, I want to preface this by reading a tweet that I, another tweet that I read, this is from Matt Jones, not our Matt Jones. This Matt Jones is the host of a show called Kentucky sports radio. And he had this tweet about the hire of Jay Lucas by Duke. Duke has won 17 of the last 20 head-to-head recruiting matchups versus Kentucky in his five 2023 commits. And now their new coach just took away one of Kentucky's two primary recruiting assistants. Mind you, the other one went to Louisville. Calipari will make a big-time hire, I'm sure. But there is a lot of ground to make up. There was no way Kentucky wouldn't match Duke in terms of pay for Jay Lucas. And Jay is a terrific recruiter who brought in Damian Collins, Ty Ty Washington, uh, Kaysen Wallace, and Shaden Sharp. He left 
because he would rather be at Duke. That's not good. It just isn't. Jason, is that what you're seeing online from Kentucky fans where they're saying, hey, this guy is leaving us for a passion that we don't like? Is this part of the, the I guess, the anger by them about Jay Lucas leaving the program? Yeah, oh boy. Uh, the, the degree to which Kentucky fans have, I guess, turned on or are frustrated with John Calipari to me is shocking when you think about how successful he has been as a coach there. And I guess a lot of it is that they, they went out to St. Peter's in the opening round of the NCAA tournament because they were great in the regular season and the recruiting has been spectacular. And frankly, last year they were the best team at bringing guys in, in the portal. And I'm sorry. It was like, what a week ago, two weeks ago, not even that Oscar Shibway, the national player of the year, announced that he was going to come back to Kentucky for a second season. I mean, that might be the best recruiting job anyone has done in college all season. <laughs> They're preseason top five. They might be preseason number one. The degree to which Kentucky fans have turned on this guy is just like bizarre. It's just strange. I don't get it. But I, 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 so I went, I went to Cat's Paws, which is the Kentucky Forum. Jason, and why did you why did you do this? <laughs> because your, love, your your browser history the is depth just, just depth destroyed your, for life. The depth of your commitment to the Schadenfreude is is incredible. <laughs> I I would not I, I I would not do this, but please continue. I don't put that on my browser history. Mm-mm. Yeah, so so I went because I just wanted. I don't do this often. I know there are some people out there who love to indulge in uh, in the negative vibes from uh, you know from the rival teams. I really I don't do this kind of thing very often, but. There was so much going on with this story with with Jay Lucas coming to Duke that I went, okay, let me just see what they're saying about it. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they're taking it well. Oh no, (laughs) they are not taking it well. So here are my favorite comments from the Cat's Paws Forum. Um, One guy said, Duke not only wants to prove it will take all your recruits and now wants to prove it will take all your coaches. Another guy said, I'm glad things are looking so bad for Duke now that Coach K is gone. And it's great to see UNC fall off a cliff after Roy retired. And then he said, if you can't tell, that's sarcasm. (laughs) Uh, And someone else said, it's pretty embarrassing for your Hall of Fame coach to lose a top assistant to a guy who's never been a coach in his life. Someone else said, uh, and this I thought is, this is significant. This is worth mentioning. They said, we recruit head to head with Duke. Lucas can walk into any recruits home and say, let me tell you why you should why you should come to Duke instead of Kentucky because I've been at both of them, and and I, I was like I was like damn that's that's a really accurate comment. And then here's my favorite: someone said, "Hey Duke, please hire Coach Cal as an assistant too." I was like, "Damn, really? They want to get rid of it." I, it was just. And, and then last one I wanted from in terms of fans, uh, Cameron Born and Bread, who's a great poster on the DBR on the Duke Basketball Report forum. Cameron born and bred said, I got a question when he shows up, does Duke just give him like a D and an E and he sews those onto his clothes around the UK? Is that, is that? <laughs> which I thought was amusing. So anyway, I, 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 I love the reaction from all the fans. I think it's hysterical. Uh, I, I love that, you know, not only are we kicking Kentucky's butt at recruiting, but now we're kicking their butt at coaching as well. It's perfect. It's everything about it is perfect. It's funny that shirt that you were talking about that Cameron Borderbread mentioned. I remember going to this is, I guess, 2012 when we played them in the Champions Classic down at the Georgia Dome. That was the Neural Lindsay Well uh, when he was in that year. Uh, and I believe Anthony Davis is on that team as well. 
Um, they no no year before and, and no, Anthony, sorry, Davis, year, year. Anthony Davis won the championship. Nerlens Noel correct. Uh, yeah, so Nerlens Noel and then they lost to uh, right. They lost to someone's uncle in the NIT. I can't. Um, yes, Robert Morris. Oh, uh, Robert yeah. Morris. Yeah. yeah. Um. So they. So I saw a bunch of UK fans that wore Duke shirts with the D and the E covered up, and I walked up to one of them. I go did you run out of Kentucky shirts at the store? Because you know what you just did, right? You gave your arch rival money. I don't think you wanted to do that. And they were just flabbergasted that I would consider such a thing. And I was like, when you buy a Duke shirt, it is, it is a Duke shirt that we get that money, but go off, man. Enjoy your time. So that reminded me of that, but uh, we, that was, that was a bit of an aside. We, we are living rent free in their heads. 24, seven, And it's not even <laughs> and honestly, Honestly, let's, let's be clear. I, I don't think about this is the only time I've thought about Kentucky. Like when we play them in the Champions Classic, you know, maybe sometimes I'm just looking at teams now, but I, I don't think about Kentucky that much. They think well, about this Duke is still nonstop. this is this is residual thinking about each other from how Duke and Kentucky have just been the, the, the top recruiting schools for the last however many years like there was that. oh no 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 this is residual from 1992 when Christian Leitner stepped on a Minu Tumber Lake. It's like they have never look, forgiven. It's like ridiculous. That is that's look, older look. than you, Sam. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I was alive for that, although I don't remember it. Yeah, I will be real. I think about Kentucky all the time. Every time I go to Texas, every time I go to Kansas City, every time I go to North Carolina, Duke versus Kentucky is on my mind. And I don't know if it's not. It should be on your mind as well. Um, but Duke versus Kentucky. I mean, burn ends. Terrific. Brisket. Awesome. Um, if in case you didn't know, I'm talking about barbecue. <laughs> uh, but Sam, wrap this up on uh, Jay Lucas. So one thing you said, Donald, when you introduced this, is that it was made official on Friday. It's not official, official. I feel like until Duke announces it, which they haven't yet. Um, it, it obviously I came said out. official because we have a yes. Calipari quote. A yes, statement. and yeah. and and uh, I want to see the press conference. I think the press conference well, is very interesting. So th- right. So yeah. this is what I wanted to talk about because yes, in in terms of official, Jay Lucas is. A Wikipedia profile has been updated. So he is now an assistant coach at Duke. But as, as you said, Jason, no press conference yet, no uh, statements from the program. And of course, when the, when the first, you know, press release comes out from goduke.com, it's going to just have a lot of flowery language about how Jay's been a great competitor and he comes from a great basketball lineage, blah, blah, blah. I am excited to see the press conference and, and try to read between the lines, uh, especially around the point we were talking about earlier that Jay Lucas doesn't just want to be a recruiting guy. And, and of course, when he comes to Duke, he doesn't just have to be a recruiting guy because John Shire is a recruiting guy. And Chris Carowell, I'm sure, has become something of a recruiting guy. And, and Emil Jefferson is a recruiting guy. So, so, yeah, hopefully there is space for Jay Lucas to spread his wings a little bit. And I'm looking forward to them addressing that in the press conference. I'm looking forward to John Shire addressing his new approach to recruiting in that press conference. And, and I'm excited to hear from Jay Lucas. We, we know that, as you said, the, the biggest impact he's going to have is in recruits living rooms, but I think he's going to have a big impact on the practice court on, on game days at Duke. He, he is, he's going to bring a lot to this program and we may not really be uh, like completely prepared for all the changes, all the good changes that he might bring to the program. I'll say this. I, I, I don't think he's going to be in Durham for all that long. I, I, I bet you in a couple of years, it, it, you know, if Duke's recruiting continues to be at an elite level, no reason to think it won't be. If Duke continues to be 
you know, a national championship contender and based on, you know, the roster currently constructed and, and what looks like to be down the road, no reason to think we won't be. I, I think you're going to see Jay Lucas's name start to come up for other coaching jobs. Uh, in, and in and that would be years. and that would be a great outcome. And hopefully it yep. means that, that when we have this conversation in three years that we're talking about Duke bringing in the next Jay Lucas to replace him. Yeah. And, the, and, and by the way, I think three three years is the, is the timeline, in my opinion. I, you know, I obviously don't know. And it t- depends on, you know, what happens and what opportunities open up and how well guys uh, interview and a, a million other factors. But about three years is when I think you'll probably start to really hear buzz that Jay Lucas is going to is ready to move into a head coaching job. And the best thing about this, Jay Lucas is going to move into a roster and, and a, a camp who already knows his name because, I mean, half of the recruits that end up at Duke were recruited by Kentucky as well. They know who Jay, Jay Lucas is. He's going to be just fine. He's going to walk in. He's going to have the rapport of a lot of the players that are going to be on next year's team and beyond. So uh, congratulations, Jay Lucas. We will see you in Durham. One more thing, Donald. I, I am curious how at all this has any impact on on Trevor Keels' decision about whether to come back to Duke or not. It's probably not a huge deal, but there's a chance that either Jay Lucas you know, may have some some influence or that he's got other guys kind of in his back pocket as potential transfers that could backfill for Trevor Keels' role on uh, on the Duke roster. Like all of those things are are changing very quickly for Duke. Well, and, and, and what's more, Jay's father, John Lucas, is still the director of player development for the Houston Rockets. He is considered one of the really smart guys around the NBA. He has unbelievable, you know, Donald already mentioned, he's coached at three different NBA teams and has been involved with the league for 40 years or something like that at this point. As a player uh, and Tre- coach, yeah. Yeah, as a player. If Trevor Keels wants some, some more feedback, some more information about where his what his draft stock is like and what the NBA thinks about him, uh, Jay Lucas can get on the phone, call his dad, and, instant, and you're instantly talking to one of the bigger minds around the NBA. So, you know, a huge resource for Duke. Absolutely. So we will leave it there. Uh, Jay Lucas, we're looking forward to seeing what he can do as an assistant coach at Duke. We will pause for a break, but when we come back, the other addition to the Duke Binks basketball team, stick around to find out who the big signing is. All right, folks, we are back, and Duke has landed another big get out of the transfer portal yesterday, as we record on Sunday, May 1st. Ryan Young, a 6'10", 240-pound center, committed to Duke. As we have talked about on this show, he played his last three seasons at Northwestern under former Duke player, assistant coach, and forever friend of the pod, Chris Collins. Averaged nine points per game, 4.2 rebounds per game off of the bench last season. He will graduate from Northwestern in June before heading to Durham, and he will have two years of eligibility remaining. So, Sam, I start with you. Are you very excited about Ryan Young and what he brings to the table for next year's team? And you can take that to talk about how this roster shapes out under first-year head coach John Shire. Well, so are we sure that he's – he said in his announcement that he's graduating. He's only played three seasons at Northwestern. Um, yeah, so so correct. it's worth – I apologize. I'm going to jump in. It's worth noting he redshirted as a freshman. He was at Northwestern so for four years. So he's, he's played for four years. Okay. Yeah, he, so, was, he, was, cl- he was class of 2018 along – you know, he was the same class as Zion, Cam, RJ. And I, I, Jason, I, I Jason, I have find- no – 
Jason, I have no, I have no sense for like where Zion is in his academic progress <laughs> at this point. You know, I'm, I'm worried about, I'm worried about him getting back on the court for preseason, um, so that, so that he can get back to dominating. But anyway, back to Ryan Young. Thank you for the clarification. Um, I am excited for this edition for Duke for a couple of reasons. One, it appears that <laughs> at least so far in the transfer portal, Duke is going for GPA because they've recruited guys from Northwestern and Harvard. So that's, uh, that's, that, that's a promising development. Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, I think that Ryan Young is a great addition as a, as a backup big for Duke. We've talked about how the two main bigs for Duke next year, Derek Lively and Kyle Filipowski, are, of course, young. They're both going to be freshmen, and there will probably be stumbling blocks. There's an enormous need for depth, especially in the post this season for Duke, because, because freshman bigs are like the most volatile players that you can have on your team. And Ryan Young is, it, it does seem just sort of looking over his, his statistic profile, he is a bit foul prone, but the point of bringing in a guy like this, similar to the way that Duke brought in Theo John is to have somebody who is big and can eat up some minutes, not all of them. The, the point of Theo John was not to play 30 minutes a game and leave Mark Williams on the bench. The point was to have him play 10 to 15 minutes a game so that you got the best out of Mark Williams. Ryan Young, I imagine, will play 10 to 15 minutes a game for Duke. He'll commit four or five fouls every time. And when Derek Lively subs back in for him, he's going to be like a lot more. He's going to be a lot fresher and more alert, and he'll be great down the stretch in games. And that is the the purpose that he is going to fulfill. The other thing that I see when I look over his, um, his sort of year-to-year stats is that not a guy who's like, improved enormously since he got to college. He's, he's been like a good to okay college player pretty much the whole time that he's been at Northwestern. I think that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm not super worried about him, you know, a- averaging like enormous numbers in the post uh, either be that points or rebounds or blocks or, or whatever. Um, he just needs to be serviceable. He just needs to be like not even quite as good as Theo John was this year to be an impact player, not just for this coming season, but potentially for the season after that, when he would presumably have that fifth year of, of COVID eligibility. So I'm really excited for this addition for Duke. I'm excited that they got experience, excited that they got a guy from Northwestern uh, who's got size and who's got rebounding. I think this is a perfect fit and, and very glad that John Shire went after him. Yeah, I agree with all that. And I think that, you know, if he's able to play 10 to 15 minutes of solid basketball to back up Derek Lively, allowing Derek Lively to really just be, you know, awesome for 25 to 30 minutes a game, I think we have a really good rotation on our hands. Jace, or Sam, you talked about the just overall fitting of him on the team. Jason, I want to talk, I want you to talk to me about Ryan Young, the player. I know you've done some advanced look, a look at their advanced stats. Uh, tell me what about Ryan Young, the player, can we expect next season? So it's real easy, I think, to look at nine points per game, 4.2 rebounds per game, 0.3 blocks, 0.9 assists, and sort of say, oh, this is a guy who you know, ain't going to do all that much. You know, those are numbers at Northwestern. Is he even going to be able to match those numbers at, at, at Duke? I, I think it's worth noting he only played 17 minutes per game uh, this past year because Chris Collins, they, they Northwestern mostly played a smaller lineup. They played sort of five out. They didn't have any post player. And, and their main big man uh, was Pete Nance, who, who was actually their best player. At least Collins felt he was their best player. And, and having him on the floor meant that there wasn't just 
there just wasn't a lot of time for Ryan Young to be on the floor. There were a couple game where games where Pete Nance was injured and Ryan Young played more, including a game they played against Michigan State. And in those games where Ryan Young got to play more like 25, 30 minutes, he was really impressive. Like against me, they, they beat Michigan State, Northwestern did. And Ryan Young had 18 and I think it was 18 points and 10 rebounds. He had a, he had a really big game against Michigan state and, you know, Michigan state was a, a pretty, pretty good team on the inside. Um, and, and right after that, again, another game where Pete Nance couldn't play Ryan Young got the start against Wisconsin, had a big game against Wisconsin as well. This is a guy who's shown that when you give him minutes, he can be pretty successful. Uh, if you, Rather than looking at his stats playing 17 minutes a game, if you if you said, oh, what would this guy be like if he played 30 minutes a game? Because I think that gives you a better sense of what, you know, of what he would be, you know, if he was coming to Duke from playing a prominent role. Over 30 minutes per game, this is a guy who averages almost 16 points per game and almost eight rebounds per game. So uh, now you have a better sense of what Duke is getting. He is a really good offensive rebounder. And he is great at drawing fouls on the, on the opposition. His offensive rebounding rate of 9.9% would have placed him second on Duke last year behind only Mark Williams. And Mark Williams was an elite offensive rebounder. But uh, Ryan Young, way better offensive rebounder than Paulo Bancaro, way better offensive rebounder than anyone else that Duke had last year on the team other than Mark Williams. And what's really big is his ability to draw fouls. His, his, he has a foul drawing rate of 6.2 fouls per 40 minutes that he plays. That's a huge number. That is better than every other Duke player over the past six years other than Vernon Carey. When this guy's in the game, he is in the post. He doesn't want to venture outside. He, he took six three-pointers last year. He doesn't shoot three-pointers. He doesn't even shoot 15-foot jumpers. He likes to be in the post. He likes to take shots inside of five feet, and he draws fouls at a phenomenal rate. This is a very, very valuable thing to have on this to have on this Duke team because we don't have anybody like that. He does a great job of getting his, of using his body to seal off defenders. He has a wide array of post moves and finishes, um, and and you're just not going to get that from Derek Lively. Now, you know, on the downside, he's not a great defensive rebounder, and he is not a great um, defensive player overall. He's going to have real trouble in the pick and roll. Um, uh, you know, and, and when he, when he gets switched onto guys defensively, it's going to be an issue. And, and I, I really wonder, I, I don't think he's going to be able to play very much at the same time with Kyle Filipowski, because both those guys are a little bit slower. Um, and, and, and we, I think Filipowski is mostly going to play power forward for Duke. If you have those two guys on the floor together, it really makes it, it tough for you if you're playing man-to-man defense. Now, the interesting thing will be, I don't know that Duke's going to play a lot of man-to-man defense. And if, if Shire decides to play more zone than Coach K did, then you can absolutely, I think, have Ryan Young and Kyle Filipowski together, you know, at the back of a 2-3 zone or something like that. Um, and Jason, it's not, like, it's not like Duke is going to be forced to play Young and Filipowski together for extended periods. I, is, I agree. This, I, is, I why, this yeah. is why Duke is building so much big man depth for this year is to avoid have I think to avoid having um having lineups like that and and depending on again the west the rest of the way that the wings uh shake out you could have duke playing a little small you could imagine 
uh, games where it's Filipowski and and four smaller players, um, you know, guys who are under six nine, six eight. If you if you think of Joey Baker as being a wing and not at all a big, uh, you can imagine lineups like that depending on on what the matchups look like. So this is just giving Duke more versatility. The whole point of bringing in a guy who wasn't even a starter at Northwestern is is not that he plugs in like a a six man role here. He's the eighth or ninth man on the bench for Duke, but fills a very specific need. Yeah, and and I think that it is important for Duke to have someone who can be a post an, a, a scoring presence in the post. There are going to be games that Duke has where where we're going to be able to take advantage of Ryan Young's skill set. And I love the fact, Sam, you mentioned this earlier, but I want to highlight it. The fact that Duke can say to Derek Lively, hey, Derek, you're going to play like 25 minutes a game. We want you to hunt every block you can find. Just go out there and protect the rim. Don't worry about foul trouble. If you get in foul trouble, we've got Ryan Young to play as well. And if for some reason you and Ryan both get in foul trouble, we can go to Kyle Filipowski, uh, you know, move him from power forward over, over to, to, to center. Um, and, and I do think it's worth noting that Ryan Young's game is very different from Derek Lively and Kyle Filipowski. Both those guys are more comfortable, at least offensively, playing a little more on the perimeter or facing the basket. Derek Young is sticking that 6'10", 240-pound butt in the post, and he is getting the ball down close to the basket and then putting an array of post moves on you. And, and last thing, practice, practice, practice. I love what is setting up for Duke in terms of our, our two-deep rotation. Because when you look at the two deep, you're looking at, okay, who, who's playing and who are you practicing against? And if I can, just really quick, I just want to lay this out so everybody hears it so you understand how deep this Duke team is. At the point guard, it's going to be Jeremy Roach and Jalen Blakes. Uh, at shooting guard, we still need to fill someone in. Maybe it's Trevor Keels. Maybe it's A.J. Green. Maybe it's someone else, you know, someone from the portal. But at the shooting guard, I feel like we're going to have some, someone who's starting and we're going to have Jaden shoot at small forward. We're going to have Derek Whitehead and Joey Baker. At power forward, we have Kyle Filipowski and Mark Mitchell. And now at center, we have Derek Lively and Ryan Young. And that's, that's with Catchings getting time at forward and Christian Reeves. I mean, that, there are 12 guys. They're now, or, or sorry, they're 11. And we're, we're going to be adding one more. We will add one more player, I think. They're going to be 12 guys getting time, battling each other in practice. It is it is setting up as one of the deepest rosters we've ever seen at Duke. I think it's important for people to realize that having someone who already embraces the role of coming off the bench is super important because he doesn't have to translate. He's not a guy who's used to 35 minutes a game and you're asking him to play 10 to 15. This is a guy who's used to playing 10 to 15 minutes and is going to play 10 to 15 minutes. He knows that role. He can embrace it. The other thing is this. You mentioned in the, in the, the, the depth chart, if you will, of guys, the two, one, two, you didn't even mention Stanley Borden, who's seven feet tall, right? Like we have someone, and I know he's not going to play in the games, but when we talk about simulating any opponent in the country that we will play next season, we have guys that can do that. If we, if we need a, if we need a guy, or if we play Florida state and they have all their seven footers, we have four of our own that we can throw out there and say, okay, yes, you want some four seven footers. Cool. We can do that too. If you want a team that's small, we can do that. If you want a team that has, you know, young or old, we can do that. We have the guys that can simulate any offense or any defense that we will see this season. And I think that is a very good approach for this team as they start to gel, that they can, they know that they can compete with anyone because they have the guys to compete with anyone. Last thing on Ryan Young, 
it is very easy to look at him and say, okay, this is a guy coming in to get 10 minutes a game. Um, he has two years of eligibility left. And, and, and I agree. He's, he's probably a 10 to 15 minute a game guy next year, this upcoming season, but he has two years of eligibility left. If he chooses to take his super senior year and Duke really doesn't have a guy who you go, Oh, that, that guy's definitely automatically the, the, the starting center on next year's team, not next, you know, two years from now. And I know I'm looking a long way down the road, but uh, most people expect Derek Lively to be a one and done that he will move on to the NBA. And John Shire at this moment has not recruited someone that you go, Oh, that's the guy who's going to play in the post. That's a guy who's going to be Duke center on the 23, 24 team. Uh, some people, it might be Kyle Filipowski. You know, he might stay more than one year. It's not a, a done deal that he's a one and done. Maybe Christian Reeves develops, at, you know, really quickly, but most people don't think that Christian Reeves is necessarily going to get there in one year. I really think there's a strong possibility that Ryan Young came to Duke to be a backup for one season and to, to, be, to at least have a chance to be the starter the next year. So, so I, 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 and I'm thrilled that John Shire is filling in with experience this kid's already been in college for four years. He's, I think he's 22. I can't find his exact birth date. He's either about to turn 22 or he's already 22. Uh, I love that's a man. This, and this, this guy's a man. He is huge. And, and uh, the idea that we're going to have him for a couple of years, John Shire, it's like every single thing John Shire does. I go, yeah, that is exactly what we needed to do. Yeah. And having, again, that experience that, that, you know, presence also just, again, a guy who can come in and know his role and embrace it very well is going to be something that is going to be desperately needed for this team next year. I think it's a great, great addition to the, to the, to the team. Jason, you said you can't find his exact birthday. So I went to the Northwestern athletic site. How does the Northwestern athletic site not have his birthday? What? Like, I, I don't exactly. That's what I did. I was like, what, oh, kind, of, yeah. what kind of operation is this? Does it say like yeah. circa? Nope. Circa 1998. Nope, no circa. Nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing there. That he could have been, he could have been accelerated three years in high school. He could have been held back three years. I have no idea. Huh. Yeah. Uh, the, one, the one thing I did find there, both his parents went to Syracuse and played athletics. Both his parents were athletes at Syracuse. I don't know why he, look, hey, love yeah, that he's a big at Northwestern. Upset. Yeah. Love that he's at Northwestern. Love that he's at Duke. Syracuse never got a look because Syracuse could have used a guy like this. We'd be cruton. That's how that works. We'd be cruton. So (laughs) we're going to leave it there. That is going to do it for episode number 420 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Don't forget, look out for that episode featuring the one and done draft that will come early this week. I I will, I will just go ahead and tell you right out for the, for the sake of transparency, we are going to record it right after this is done. Uh, So you will hear this first. And then on maybe Tuesday or so you will hear the one and done draft. So stay tuned for that. As always, we love hearing from you. So continue to email us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. I promise we will be back very soon. But for Sam Klein and Jason Evans, I'm Donald Wine. And now it is time for the Duke Band to take us home.